Friends of Grandstand Radio include Leftover Soup, a webcomic about life, relationships, sex, cooking, board games, pet ownership, religion, violence, D&D, polyamory, and computer repair. Catch up with the latest issue at www.leftoversoup.com. That's www.leftoversoup.com. Another friend of Grandstand Radio is The Anime Box, a YouTube channel dedicated to, well, opening boxes. But not just any old boxes, boxes that contain an array of goodies from genuine anime figures to snacks of all kinds. Search T-E-H Anime Box. And now, on with the show. You're listening to Grandstand Radio, shows based on old-time radio. You're about to hear our detective series, Sleuth. Today's episode, The Flip-Flopping Accountant Matter. Or, a killer new year. New Year's Eve. A time of noisemakers, numerical novelty glasses, and resolutions you'll most certainly forget about a few weeks down the road. I, for one, don't usually make much of a fuss about it. I usually just spend the night with the radio on and a glass of iced tea to keep me company. I say usually because this year, I decided to spice things up a bit. Maybe give alcohol a spin. I went to the local bar, Ye Old Tavern, down at Summit Avenue. I sat down at the bar and ordered a gin and tonic. Make it a nice tea, uh, with a lemon twist, bartender. TVs all over the bar were hyping up the new year, 2016. You know, I remember when the year 2000 was a big deal. I got so frazzled about that Y2K bug that I filled my bathtub with water and bought a survival pack from the local army surplus store. I never did get to try out those rations. I stared at my drink. The ice crackled while they floated on the surface of my iced tea. Can't say I've seen you before. The voice that grabbed my attention belonged to a woman with long, flowing hair. I could only see one eye as the other was hidden by a carefully parted lock of it. She had the kind of eyes that held your attention hostage, but you'd be fine if they never let go. The lipstick she wore was a crimson red to match her entire outfit, which was almost like a dress suit, clean and pressed, almost sterile. I would have observed more, but I realized that it wasn't polite to stare. I, uh... I don't usually frequent bars too often. Uh, Not my scene. Need a light? Yes, thank you. (sighs) Do you smoke? Nah, but I find that oftentimes people around me do. I didn't catch your name, miss. You can call me Carmen. Carmen, huh? Carmen who? Carmen, the woman you're going to buy a drink for, of course. (laughs) Boy, was she smooth. But who was I to refuse? I signaled the bartender over and told him to get her whatever she wanted. He could put it on my tab. Scotch, please. Well, Carmen, what brings you to a place like this? Oh, just taking a moment before I head back into work. You work on New Year's? (laughs) I get no holidays in my line of work. 
Mr. Fletcher. Frank Fletcher. Well, thank you for the drink, Mr. Fletcher. Well, I suppose I can relate as well. My line of work sometimes has me working right through the holiday season, too. And what do you do, Mr. Fletcher? Me? <laughs> Nothing, really. I mean, I'm just a private investigator. A P.I. It must be exciting. Oh, it can sometimes, but it can be dull, too. I mean, for the most part, I'm filling out paperwork on several occasions. Well, how about you? What do you do in your line of work? Hmm. Well, I... Whether or not she was going to continue being cryptic or actually tell me something about herself, I'll never know. At that time, the bartender walked up to us and told me that I had a call. I don't travel around with a cell phone or anything. I mean, the last thing I want to do is drag my work around with me wherever I go. But for someone to not only look for me, but also attempt to call me while I was out of my office was pretty irregular. I excused myself from the lovely lady Carmen and took the phone. Uh, Frank Fletcher here, private eye. Frank? It's Arthur! Arthur Carrington was a wealthy man who had been recently trying to make up for all the crimes he's committed. After spending much of his youth as one of the most skilled criminals this side of the coast, he was pinched in an embezzlement racket and ratted out his partners. The man wasn't a saint, but he certainly meant to mend his ways, which is the reason why I was so surprised to hear his voice on the other end. Arthur? Arthur Carrington? That's right. You helped convict me three counts of grand larceny almost five years back. Oh yeah, I remember now. And that was only for the crimes I was able to find evidence for. Why exactly are you calling me here, Carrington? Frank, I'm a changed man. I've spent every day after I got out of jail trying to make up for all that I've done. You'll forgive me if I don't give you a uh, standing ovation. I didn't try to track you down to argue with you, Frank. I called to offer you a job. You offer me a job? You must be out of your gourd. I wouldn't take a job from you even, even if... if I pay you $1,000? I'd feel a whole lot better if you were my bodyguard. Just for tonight. As I said, I'll pay you one grand in unmarked bills, no strings attached. Carrington, have you been threatened recently? 1,324 North Wilshire Street. Don't delay, Frank. Carrington, you never answered me. Carrington? Carrington? It was no use. He had hung up. I thanked the bartender and handed back the phone. I turned my attention back to the woman who had approached me, but of course, she was gone. All that was left was an empty glass and a napkin kissed with her lipstick. Ah, typical. I paid my tab, finished my iced tea, and walked out to my car. address led to a giant mansion in a rather rich district of the city. I drove up to the electronic intercom. It's me! Hurry up and let me in! The gate slowly opened to make way for my Studebaker. I drove up the driveway and parked in front of a rather huge looking mansion. This looked like pretty expensive living for someone who had served in prison not too long ago. 
I got out of my car and proceeded to the front door of the mansion. I rang the doorbell and waited briefly before a stuffy-nosed butler answered the door and let me in. And there was Arthur Carrington himself, dressed in a rather expensive-looking robe wearing a messy mat of hair and bags under his eyes, indicating that he hasn't had a decent night's sleep in a long time. Carrington led me deeper inside the massive house, pushing apart two doors that led into a study that was straight out of Lives of the Rich and Famous. Would you like a drink, Frank? Oh, nah. I just had one not too long ago. All right, Carrington, what's this all about? Uh, why do you need a bodyguard for? I, I don't really know if I do, but I would feel a whole lot better if you were my bodyguard. Just for tonight. As I said, I'll pay one grand in unmarked bills. No strings attached. Carrington paused for a moment. It looked like he was remembering something. You remember how you sent me to prison five years ago? How could I forget? It was one of my very first cases as a private investigator. You were charged with laundering money for a criminal organization... It took months to even catch a break on your case because you kept such tidy books. But I managed to get you on one little slip-up that managed to turn into a domino effect. You sang like a canary in order to get your sentence reduced. You were originally supposed to get 10 years. But I was let out early for good behavior and for seeing the errors of my ways and helping police take down a number of crime syndicates. Well, that still doesn't excuse you for stealing millions of dollars from hundreds of innocent people. There's nothing I can do to make up for what I've done. I know and accept this. The only thing I can do is try to make things right now. So you live high on the hog, in a mansion, in an overpriced side of the city. What can I say? I've, I've grown accustomed to a certain way of living. Look, this is all money I have saved up for a rainy day. Yeah, in an untraceable offshore bank account, probably. Look, if you're so sure you're in harm's way, why not call the police? I did! They offered to increase patrols in my neighborhood, but nothing more. They said they didn't have enough proof that my life is being threatened. Well, do you? <sighs> nothing I can prove in a court of law. But I do have this. Garrington dug into the pocket of his robe and handed me a business card. I took it and gave it a long, hard look. In neat and very pretty handwriting, it read, Friday night, midnight. On the reverse side, there was a familiar imprint of lipstick kissed onto the card. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. They call her Carmen. Nobody knows where she comes from, what her real name is, or even how she comes and goes from her jobs. They just say that if they see her, it's either to hire her for a job or that she's there to finish one. She's an assassin? best that there ever was and that's what's got me frightened beyond belief my card was left on my front door monday of this week why won't the police give you more protection they don't have much information on her it's a matter of time before the cops start to get a fix on her yeah and by then it may very well be too late for you i gave him back the card and i agreed to play bodyguard for him just for tonight Normally, I wouldn't give his type the time of day, but, well, I kind of felt sorry for the guy. Sure, he may be a crook, a liar, and a thief, but I've been in this position before. Back against the wall, no way out, and nobody to help you. The hours dragged on as we waited for the clock to strike midnight. 
By nightfall, all his servants retired to their quarters, and he sat down at his computer, activating every conceivable alarm known to man, covering every hallway and every room. Everything was wired to go off loud and alert the police. I mean, it was practically Fort Knox in there. After that, Carrington began to nervously pace around his massive bedroom. I took the opportunity to sit down at the same computer he just sat at and looked at the screen. It showed multiple parts of the home. No sign of anything out of the ordinary. You look like you're pretty well off for someone who spent time in prison, Carrington. Yes, well, when you talk to the right people, you sometimes get rewarded handsomely. Our discussion was interrupted by the grandfather clock that sat next to the fireplace. Midnight. Carrington frantically looked from left to right and then ran over to his bed, cowering under the sheets. The man was frightened out of his mind. But could you honestly blame him? He was way in over his head. Come on, Carrington, pull yourself together. I mean, nobody's even tried to... Let themselves in. I turned around to see a familiar figure close the bedroom door behind her. It was the same woman whom I met at the bar earlier in the night. Ah, nice of you to join us, uh... Uh, Carmen, was it? Hello, Mr. Fletcher. We meet again. I wish I could say it was a pleasure to see you again. But that gun in your hand is kind of off-putting. I could say the same about you, Detective. Self-defense, ma'am. I won't use it if I don't have to. But I have a sneaking suspicion you have every intention on using yours. You suspect right, Detective. Though, the number of people I use it on is still yet to be determined. What's your angle, Carmen? (laughs) What's my angle? Aren't you the detective? I am, and I have my own suspicions about you, about Carrington, about this whole mess we're in right now. I helped put Carrington away for ten years for embezzlement. He was helping a crime syndicate launder money and make billions off of innocent people. Everyone in the caper ended up being busted and are serving time. That's when Mr. Carrington over here decided to sing as if it were showtime at the Metropolitan Opera. Except not everyone was happy that he squealed. So, they hired you to make sure that his expedited freedom would be short-lived. Oh, my dear detective. That's something you're just never going to find out, I'm afraid. I don't get paid to give out private information. Well, we're at an impasse then. Because I'm not being paid to just let you murder my client. And yet, I think you won't have any other choice. She looked at her wristwatch before looking back at me. I started to feel a little disoriented. The grip on my revolver tightened as my knees began to buckle. What? Oh, my dear detective, I am sorry about this. But I had to plan for every contingency. You see, in my line of work... You have to do an extensive amount of research if you want a job to go off successfully. So, I looked into Arthur Carrington's list of friends. Lo and behold, a rather short list, given his circumstances. But one name stuck out. Frank Fletcher. The man who put him behind bars. Who else would he turn to for help, if not his worst enemy? Uh, I wouldn't say my worst enemy. I dropped to one knee, 
It was getting hard to see, to focus. Whatever she slipped me, it was working to knock me out. <sighs> How long do I got? Not long. But don't worry, detective. The drug I slipped you won't kill you. It will just render you unconscious while I do what I came here to do. You won't die, unless you do something stupid. <laughs> That's funny. My partner used to tell me that exact same thing. What are you doing? Put the gun down, Fletcher. Put it down! <sighs> what a waste. Did you honestly expect to hit me? Frank? Oh, <laughs> I was half hoping you wouldn't shoot. She nailed me right in the shoulder. I could feel the blood seeping onto my shirt out of my trench coat. Frank! Frank, are you alright? Does it look like I'm alright? Your turn, Mr. Carrington. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just imagining your face when the cops show up. What are you talking about? Think about it. This isn't my first rodeo. I'm drugged up and can't see straight. Did you honestly think I was trying to shoot you? I watched as her face went from puzzled to utterly shocked. She turned around to see that I had shot and broken a window in the bedroom. And I can just barely remember the look on her face as she turned her attention back to me as the sounds of police sirens drew closer. <laughs> she was pissed. Then everything went black. According to official reports, the police arrived at the Carrington residence at 12.36 a.m., a mere four minutes after the alarm was set off at 12.32, mostly thanks to the one unit assigned to keep tabs on the Carrington place. Upon arrival, they discovered Arthur Carrington holding one Frank Fletcher, who was incapacitated due to drugs and a bullet wound to the shoulder. Apparently, I wasn't dead, because I woke up in Community General Hospital the following day. What a way to ring in the new year. A nurse handed me two items that she was instructed to give me once I came to. One was a letter from Carrington. Dear Frank, I can't tell you how sorry I am that things turned out the way they did. I was a fool to think I could pick up where I left off after finishing my sentence. I'm going into witness protection. I'm giving them everything, Frank. All my files, my records. I just want to be done with this and start a new life. Actually make something of myself, something I can be proud of. I've paid your hospital bills and forwarded $2,000 to your bank account. Thank you for helping me when no one would. Yours truly, Arthur Carrington. <laughs> well, what do you know? Carrington was a pretty okay guy after all. The other item was a very familiar business card. On one side, crimson lipstick kissed onto it. On the other... A single word. Touché. You 
You've been listening to Sleuth on Grandstand Radio. Your players today were Giancarlo Danubio as Frank Fletcher, Charles James Marlowe as Arthur Carrington, and Caroline Davies as Carmen. Keep tabs on the newest episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Search Grandstand Radio. Grandstand Radio theme April Showers by ProLadder. Remember, here at Grandstand Radio, it's the most fun you'll never see.